all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Just imagine a gender-equal world, free of bias, stereotypes, and discrimination, one that's diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Today is International Women's Day, that's March the 8th, and the theme is hashtag break the bias. It's a day of celebrating the achievement of women in every area of life. So where are we over 100 years later since that first Women's Day celebration? Well, we're better, obviously. But is it enough? Are we there? Do we really not see gender in the workplace? Do we not see gender when we're judging people for their abilities? Do we not see gender when we're judging people for their intelligence? I believe if you ask around um, that, that you'll hear that there are some women who continue to feel like there are some major differences. So uh, as we're going along, I, I really would like to hear from our listeners about where do you think we are and where do you think we need to continue to work to make changes? Do we need a big uprising? Probably not. But what do we need to try to continue to work toward equitable treatment across all areas in life? So join in the conversation anytime you're ready. I want to hear from you at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Men, I want to hear from you, too. I want to hear what you think about where, where we are. So around the world, there are celebrations taking place today that highlight social, economic, cultural, political achievements of women. Many different groups are behind organizing this day, and the United Nations um, has actually been a, a pretty big force in promoting the events. Um, you know, interestingly enough, in this time, as I was reading about National Women's Day, the day has it re- has its roots back in the early 1900s. Um, according, if you get on the official International Women's Day website, in 1908, a Ukraine-born suffragist, Claire Limlick, rallied around 15. 15- 
8,000 women to march through New York to demand better pay, shorter working hours, and voting rights. I thought it was interesting that she was Ukrainian, especially during this time. So, um, at any rate, without going into um, a lot of the history, um, I will say that um, eventually the event gained traction worldwide, particularly in Russia, where in the eve of World War One, Russian women campaigned for their first International Women's Day. So interesting that we're talking about Ukraine and, and Russia as we are moving along um, and looking into women's rights when people are being oppressed in those countries. Sad, right? So um, obviously it is a global celebration. So what are we celebrating? Um what what do you think we do have to celebrate? I will say that, yes, indeed, we can vote now. Uh, yes, indeed, we can hold office now. Um, we can even be in positions of leadership. and And that's great and wonderful. But as we as we move along and and talk about the progress that we've made, let's talk also about the areas that continue to need change. Bias, whether unconscious or deliberate, can make it difficult for women to progress in their careers. Um, I can tell you that in the past, I have heard um, within my own job area um, in the past when two women disagree about something that it's a catfight. Have you ever heard anybody say that about two men disagreeing? Do they call it a dog fight? Uh, No, I've never heard them call it a dog fight. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, just sensitivity and and the way you word things sometimes, Mm -hmm. making Mm -hmm. sure. You know, and I have pretty thick skin. Mm -hmm. I I was uh, a woman who, who, you know, went to college in the 70s, who uh, did my medical career in the 80s, and and so 70s and 80s and, you know, when women were not predominant there. So you had to have thick skin. And I do. And I don't call out everything. I don't. Because I don't know if it's necessary. But where, when do we draw the line and what should we say? Um, now, we do have our first caller. And I want to go on to Stephanie. Th- Stephanie, thank you for calling in quickly. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, wanna, yeah, uh, tell us your thoughts. I do think that, you know, we have made advancements as, as women, but there are still those biases. Well, t- tell us what, why would you say that? Where do you see biases? So, in my previous job, I worked at a gym and, um, the owner, uh, who was very biased, wanted us to hire somebody for the front of the house of the gym and say it was a woman, and he wanted to make sure that she had a pretty face. And we had to hire men for the back of the gym because they had the muscle. Hmm. So the men to take care of the business and the pretty face to meet and greet. Interesting. Yeah. 
I bet that was pretty insulting to you. It's very insulting. Yeah, I'd love to. Do the back of the house things just like men can, and men can be at the front as well. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think um, I've seen men um, at front desk to meet and greet. I've seen women in the back of gyms and um and the same thing in business i think sometimes what a what a terrible stereotype yes you want a smiling face at the front desk and and you know i think so many times in our medical offices we talk about how important it is that that front face in your clinic is a smiling welcoming face that's different than saying that it needs to be a pretty woman. Very different. Because then all of the sudden you have, have said the value of that woman is in the way she looks, not. So you could have a pretty face up there who's rude and not welcoming, who would be horrible for the business, because I would say that there are plenty of individuals who walk into a business, and if there's somebody pretty and sassy, they're going to turn right back around and go out. So, so Stephanie, thanks for calling in and starting the conversation. I wonder how many other women or men have heard stereotypic behavior like that that's not only insulting, but but of no use. Mm-hmm. I have a question to the fellas. Um, I would love to hear your comments on what you see in the workplace or just in general every day. Do you notice the biasnesses or are you aware of your own when it comes to women? Uh, if you're married at home with your wife, do you assume that your wife cooks and you take out the garbage? We've had this conversation before, yeah, not much is on the show, yeah. but it's interesting on National Women uh, National Women's Day to talk about this with men to see if we can all take a look at ourselves in the mirror and say, well, I do harbor a few biasnesses. A lot of men say, well, I'll cook and my wife works. You know, Mm -hmm. things have changed a little, Mm -hmm. you know, in 2022, but some households are the same. Uh, If you have any biases you like to talk about, I would love to hear them. And we're not judging. You know, it could be you could have it from upbringing. What you saw at your house. We talked about that again on the show. If you saw your mom at home, stay at home mom. It may be something that you are you tend to want in your life or your wife. Uh, if your wife works, do you enjoy it? Do you like coming home and and cooking? <laughs> so I would love to hear the different types of yeah. uh, lives people are living, men, women. Um, and if you're a young person in college, I would love to hear your take on where you think women um, uh, have has yeah. progressed how much we've progressed how in much the world we've progressed yeah. in the world yeah i have a friend who is a psychologist in fact i'll say her name because i don't think she'll mind dr courtney walker you've yeah, all heard yeah. from her she's wonderful well her husband is dr ben walker they're both phds her husband is the cook of the house she doesn't cook at all. And she is very proud of it. They both work full time, but he he is the chef at home. He is the cook. 
and and I know others like that, and they they truly have one of those equal partnerships. My husband cooks sometimes, mm. and he freely admits that he doesn't cook as well as I do. But there are times when he knows that I'm coming home later than he is, and. And he'll have dinner ready. Nothing's better than walking into a house that's straight and there's a good uh, smell in the household. We all like that, yes. But is it fair that one always expects that it would be one gender who would do that and not another. Well, right. Dr. Butchers, I have a friend that's a pilot, and uh, our conversations sometimes are about how many women pilots there are in um African-American, especially women pilots. And he told me a number. Yes, the number was uh, very shocking. I actually thought it was more. Um, If he's listening, I would love for him to call in. I won't say his name, but if he's listening, I would love for him to call in and talk about that aspect of, especially when you came in, your um, opening was about jobs and how, Unfortunately, women still aren't in equal pay. We don't get the same type of positions that men get. We're looked at differently like we can't do it. Women, call in if you think you, you know, you're on your job or you see it. Men, do you think women can do anything a man can do? That's a good question. Yeah, that's another good (laughs) question. One more thing before we go to our first break that I want to mention is that you mentioned pilots. Um, I was in Gulfport a couple of weeks ago, and there is a wonderful aerospace museum down there that highlights um, women and men who did such wonderful work during the different wars and even now, and and does mention the dearth of women pilots back in the day and certainly African-American um, So I would encourage anybody who's on the coast to go see that. I thought it was uh, very educational and kind of points to where we were, you know, back in the early 1900s and, and unfortunately still sort of in the same place now. So before we go to our break, I'm going to throw out a couple of questions. What do you love about being a woman? Women, what is your superpower? And men, what do you love about women? What do you think that is so great? And if you're a mother, what did you do to teach your daughter about being a woman? Okay, National International Women's Day today. Let's talk about women. Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. You already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. 
Healthcare providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. And thanks for listening. This is International Women's Day, and we are urging everyone to actively call out gender bias, okay? We don't want discrimination and stereotyping. But do we, do we sometimes overcall that? Do we, do we sometimes not find that we are being fair um, to individuals? Um, just because they call out specific gender qualities. So, you know, think about it. Um, are we being fair? Are we being overly sensitive? Are, are there still some issues that we need to address? I think probably the answer is sometimes we're not being fair and being overly sensitive. And yes, indeed, there are some issues that still need to be addressed. That's my opinion. It's interesting that this topic, maybe because of the Me Too movement, but now a lot of people are kind of afraid to talk about this issue, kind of like it's taboo. And, um, you know, we used to talk about it a lot. And then uh, the Me Too movement, I loved it that it came out and just empowered women to speak up for their Rights and and if they felt that they were being um, targeted in any way, they felt uh, more accepted to talk about it. Um, yeah, you know, I can remember uh, several years ago. Um, I I was walking into a busy uh, business, and um, a guy held the door for the woman in front of me. And she looked at him, frowned, and said, I can open my own door. And I thought, whew, that was so rude. Mm -hmm. And um, he looked at me and shrugged, and I said, thank you for opening the door for me. If you had been um, behind me, I would have held the door for you. And so I think sometimes we confuse politeness of an individual for being um, perhaps, um, I can't think of a word. I know, I'm trying to see how would she um, think maybe she Insulting. Thought, yeah. She felt like it was uh-huh. insulting that she, she couldn't hold her own door open. Um, I don't know. And and I, I wonder what other uh, listeners think about that. Um, are are we sometimes overly critical? Um, I will say during the break, um, Jay White's in here with us, uh, and on, Jay, uh, he's talk. laughing. Let's talk. Um, but during the during the break, we started talking about what 
do people notice first about individuals? And, you know, how would they first describe um, a woman in their life? Would they say first that she's pretty? And I said, no, I don't think so. And and Michelle, you said they didn't see your personality from across the room. So it could have been a smile, not just your face. Could have been your teeth, a smile, the way you were dressed. But it was something aesthetically that someone saw that made them approach you in a grocery store, a party, church, anywhere. So I still believe that it is the visual on the outside uh, before they get to know your personality. Yeah. So, and Jay pushed back a little bit. Go ahead, Jay. Say what you were thinking. I I don't co-sign on that exclusively. I, I think uh, you can say that as a generality, but I don't think that you can exclusively say that. Right. I think you can see somebody's personality from across the room. And for a lot of people, personality can be just as sexy as somebody's uh, features. And for a lot of people, their personality can can make their, or their, the way that their personality and features play together can make it twice as good. Can make either twice. They play into each other. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, thanks. Should I make, a, I, well, should I make some Hallmark cards now or something did. like that? I do agree, Jay. <laughs> I think that you can. You All can, the guys right now are like, listen to this dude up here. Oh, my gosh. Let right. me get somebody talker. else in the studio in there. It's National oh, Women's Day. He's like, I got to play into it. I mean, come on. No, no I'm just I do. I I want to hear from others about right. this. I do believe that you can see a personality from across the room. If you see someone with a smile on their face, mm-hmm. who's looking people in the eyes they mm-hmm. talk to them, whose body language is telling you that they are a confident, happy person, isn't that somebody you're going to more likely go up to than somebody who is scowling but beautiful? I would think. Hmm. I would yeah. hope. Well, I mean, it, it, not everybody, it's not in their personality to let that lead. Hmm. Right. So that doesn't defin- that doesn't necessarily, uh, you shouldn't necessarily write somebody off if they don't have a personality that leads before them. Yeah. You know, because not, every, not everybody that's closed, that's more closed up necessarily is, you know, like, you know, what's the word you scowling or yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that. So, you know, sometimes people are just more buttoned up. But that doesn't yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have a personality. Once you get to know them, some people are just not outgoing like that. Right. Well, you know, I had to put him on the spot since we have the mic open. It's got to ask you what we asked the other <laughs> listeners, fellas. Do you feel that men and women are equal in 2022? Drum roll. Well, that's a well, that's a loaded question. It is. Equal in what? It is. Okay. Give me some examples. Yeah. Equal in so work, pay. Equal in pay. Work. No. Okay. No. We no. know their are data. We don't need to go into all of it, yeah. but there are data that say women are not. Do you feel like that women, when, okay, and let's take race out of it totally. So if if we were not even considering race, if there were, were uh, a man and a woman up for a leadership position, do you think that people would would judge them equally if they had equal resumes? All right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper again here. 
I see me, me rambling. They made the caller hang up there. Mm. Oh, Rachel, call yeah, back. Yeah, Rachel from Eupora, <laughs> call back. We love talking to you. So it, to me, it's a little bit deeper. I don't think that you can, uh, if, if a position comes open ten times, and they fill it nine times with a guy and one time with a woman. I don't think you could point at that company and go, well, obviously they're biased. Uh-huh. They're gender biased. Mm. Because I think a lot of times you look at the amount of people that apply for that job. And if there's 100, if there's 100 applicants and 91 of them are men and nine of them are women, what are the odds of guys getting hired? So that – that there's a deeper part to it. Now, is there, there is still a is, part. is there biased into how you get 91 male job job applicants and only nine female? And I'm just using that as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there might be a deeper, you know, kind of bias that we need to dig into. But it's not always like, you know, I come from the sports world. Here's the thing: a lot of time, like in Major League Baseball, for the longest time, it was. Why don't these clubs hire any African-American managers? Um, and the, the answer that – and, of course, if you say something like this publicly, you're just going to get crucified. But a lot of it, I'm like, eh, how many applicants did they get? You know, if if 50 guys applied for that job and four of them are African-Americans, the odds are extremely – Extremely so low that they would hire one of the, the four African American yeah. applicants, but it doesn't matter. I mean, still, some of them get hired, and it's because they are the best for the job, right? But still, I mean, I'm just—it's like yeah. it's not as cut and dry as just saying that There's a bias. guy sits in a room who's an old white dude and looks at these fifty applicants and takes the four black people and goes, "Well, that's not happening," you know. Yeah, so I, I, I just same. don't think it's that cut right. and dry. Although so, that mm-hmm. probably does still happen. In some places, certainly. You know what? I would love to, uh, Dr. Butchers, I'm asking you, and because he is a man, <laughs> not because you're purposefully saying this, mm-hmm. you are a man. That's a fact. And men and, women, <laughs> men and women, we do think differently. And it's interesting. I would love to hear more men and women call in because I would like to know if the answer that Jay gave is more, is closer to what men would say. Than what women would say. You see what I'm saying? If we polled women and men, how many men would think that way versus how many women would think that way? And then where do we put that together and say, what's the truth? You see where I'm going? I do. And um, I see we have another caller coming in. So we want to welcome our callers at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. I will say just very quickly that what Jay said said does, does indeed make sense. If you have 20 applicants... And you're going to try to pull the best applicant, and two of them are of a different race or gender. Does that mean that because they weren't char- chosen that that there was bias? No. Um, so I think what we need to to do though is make sure. That at all times, applicants are are looked at on an equal ground. You know, kind of like... Yeah, because that's not always the answer. Because if you have right. somebody that's super qualified and obviously deserves a space or a job in this space somewhere, and let's say 10 different companies have had this position come open and this person applies at all 10 and doesn't get hired at any of them, then... At some point, there needs to be a, a little bit deeper look, right? Exactly. Than, than just you know, 
there needs there needs to be a little bit of digging for progress at some point or another. But yeah, when you when you talk to stakeholders and companies, they're all for progress until it's their decision to make. That's right. That's and right. And then all of a sudden, oh man, progress might bump my bottom line down a little bit, and I don't know if I necessarily want that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and that's human nature to a certain extent. So I don't know. There's, there's, you could dig as deep as you want to into yeah. all these social issues like yeah. that. It's never as simple as we would like to make it. But let's go on to our callers. We have Mikey and Mobile first. Hi, Mikey. Listen, he is so eloquent. He really is. <laughs> he's good. Um, uh, uh, he's a he's, pol- so he's a he's a politician. It seems oh like today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's so honest. Is what I love about what I hearing him say. Um, uh, but I'm going to be hopefully as honest. It comes down to biology. Okay. Um, guys aren't having babies so far. Guys aren't um, experiencing the fear of pregnancy so far. Um, uh, you know, they, I mean, they, they might, well, they might be experiencing fear of pregnancy, but not in the same way, right? <laughs> um, because, like I said, they ain't going to be the ones holding the baby, shall we say. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And so perhaps women, um, because of the fact that they are childbearing and 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 um, deal well, with... We're not going to have a new, a new generation. Period. Uh, well, that's true. Period. We Period. do hold the key. And I didn't mean for that to be, you know, like... Uh, what, what should you say? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But there are some um, other issues, too, there, uh, Mikey and listeners, as you all know, that if if women are childbearing and um, that often can affect their workplace, it can affect um, their ability to do a great job with their job when they're struggling to find good child care. And so that's where... We have issues that need addressing so that women really can be on on equal ground. And, you know, if they choose to be home and to raise their children at home without the help of child care and their spouse chooses to do that also, then that's great. But if they choose to do something differently, then then there ought to be that support out there and all the burden shouldn't always be on women. All right, let's go to Lafayette, um, who is our next caller. Lafayette, where are you? I'm in New Albany. New Albany, up north. Okay, tell us your thoughts. Well, something that I I heard George Peterson say, uh, what's really important is equality of opportunity, Hmm. but not necessarily equality of outcome. You know, the opportunity be there, but the, the outcome is not necessarily going to be equal simply because of what you guys have been already discussing. Uh, you know, many women will choose not to make the sacrifices that, you know, women choose. Women are strong in, in medical field. They're strong in education. Those are the, the careers that they choose. Uh, they uh, No one should expect some of these you know, high-level CEOs who have chosen to work 80 hours a week and, and spend time away from their families to do that. Uh, 
So if, if you know anyone who is willing to do that, I think the the opportunity should be equal. But we shouldn't necessarily expect for the outcome to be equal. And those just for my thoughts, and I'll hang up and listen to your comments. Mm, interesting. Um, I, yeah, I take his point because let's say. You know, there's some Wall Street investment firm or something like that, and you've got a 26-year-old female who shot up the org chart. She's super talented. She, I mean, she's got a mind for the whole thing. And But if if you're wanting to, if you're the CEO of that company or something like that, and you're looking at continuing to promote her, she's 26, let's, let's say she's just recently got married or something like that, whether she's married or not, that doesn't really matter at this point. But are you going to continue to promote her up? If you're thinking to yourself, well, she's coming into a spot in her life where she's got to make a decision whether or not she's going to have children soon, mm-hmm. you know, probably. Yeah. And if she is, is she going to want to take time off? So you put her in a, in a, in a important position and she leaves for eight to ten months. Are they going to continue to promote her based on merit mm-hmm. or are they going to conveniently drive around that problem mm-hmm. yeah. and hire somebody that won't take eight to ten months off because they biologically can't have a baby. Yeah, I know I Conveniently. Am, every woman that just heard that it's, I just almost jumped out the chair and Dr. Right? Butcher saw my yeah. face and it does sound horrible coming out your mouth like that to me shouldn't even be a factor of why and I guess biologically we are the ones that have the babies I get it why but, should that be any merit on a decision when it comes to a position? Well, I'm, I'm saying it. Nobody, nobody's going to say that out loud. It, it can't be. It's just sound yeah. like. But it's you not know, fair. people think about that, yeah. especially yeah. In, in, in the example I use, like a, a Wall Street investment bank or something like that, mm-hmm. where these junior, uh, the the what am I trying to say? Junior management probably does log 80 hours in a week. Right. I mean, they're where the rubber meets the road in a lot of these these places. And yeah, do you, the guy, do you right? want, I, do you yeah, want to promote to somebody in right. a position and all of a sudden that position is not producing for like <laughs> eight to ten months? But why would we make know? that judgment call that mm. that would be that individual's choice? Mm. And if they apply for a job, then then they should be judged equally. I hear what you're saying, and I know that that happens. It absolutely does happen. But the reality of it is is that there's paternity leave also that's available now. And if we would just know that if the most talented individual is a woman, then she should be promoted whether she is. Certainly. Right? Certainly. And so, but... <laughs> I know that happens, and and I will say, and that, it's just a, I'm not. It's yeah. a scenario that I'm putting out yeah. there as well, for you know how this stuff might manifest itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's go to the phones. I'm hoping people are here in this conversation. Um, John in Jackson. Hi, John. Hi. I was uh, listening to your speaker's perspective about uh, looking at the number of applicants that applied when you use the example of say. Right. You had nine uh, men and one uh, – I mean, nine uh, non-African-Americans and one African-American. The probability of the African-American being selected is lower because there were fewer in the pool. 
but I just wanted to offer, there's also, I think, a, a feedback loop here. You may have had fewer African-Americans in the pool because more qualified applicants did not receive any data that the process had changed. Yeah. in the process has changed. So those who want to increase the pool should be proactive in making that information available so that mm-hmm. there's a more representative pool. That right. feedback effect seems to exist. Well, that's that was my right. John. That was my point. Is that you know instead of you know looking at the the final decision and saying well maybe there's bias here that how you get that pool of people. Yeah. To begin with, that you work better. Whether at it's making you know sure a race thing or a gender open. thing, how you get that race mm-hmm. or, or gender pool that's so biased to one end or the other, mm-hmm. that's that's more likely. I mean, use that phrase again, where the rubber meets the road. That's that's institutionally where we have a lot of our issues, and it yeah. goes kind of unchecked because it is several layers down. Right. Right. And people, a lot of times, people just want to, you know, assign blame to the highest, most visible person that's in charge of making a decision like yeah. that because it's an easy thing to do. Yeah. Whereas, um, yeah, make more public the call for the job. Make sure that the application's open. That you're reaching out to the group. I a hundred percent agree because, uh, you know, yes, it would be nice if everybody was always on an equal playing field, but they're not. Some people are always going to be more qualified than others. And, you know, especially um, in an application pool that's limited. So, like I, the example that Michelle used at the beginning of the show, um, female African-American pilots. I don't think I've ever been on a plane where I knew the pilot was a female African-American. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? why is that? Well, good. I'm glad you brought that up. Before we go to uh, Diane and Sue, hold on. Do not hang up. And our other caller, don't hang up. But uh, my friend who is a pilot, he did text me. He's about to get on the plane. He's streaming <laughs> the show, so he can't call in. But he wanted me to let you know that the percentage of female pilots, female, not African-American, pilots in the airline industry is about 8% overall with the number of African-American female pilots less than 1%. Yeah. And we talked about this, yeah. um, but he did want me to let everyone know 8% of women, of pilots, are women. And that's <laughs> that's probably multifactorial reason. Um, you know, was are women brought up thinking, mm. even thinking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how are we raising our mm young girls can i be a pilot and that's one of the questions that yeah could i be a a pilot can that even be in my thought process not a nurse not a teacher uh women quote-unquote jobs do not jump on me women jobs but it still exists what do you want to be and we go towards teachers or nurses or um now counselors or things like that helping profession professionals helping service service Uh uh-huh and because in speaking of war remember in the service we were the nurses. We didn't go to yeah. combat. Yeah. We were the nurses. We we helped aid yeah. in the wartime. You know. Well, let's go. Let's go to Sue in Beaumont. Um, Sue, <laughs> tell us what your thoughts. I would tell are. Sue she couldn't do anything. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> Hello, how y'all doing? Good, Sue. Uh, I, I want to just mention this right quick because my radio was in another room, so I can't rush over there and turn it off. But I just want to say right quick, I've never agreed with having women join the military 
I think it's a very bad idea for a woman to join active military, but they're on the front lines getting shot at, but yet they have children at home that they had to leave with babysitters to raise. And, uh, and women in, in the military anywhere where they're in military with men, in the ranks with men, it's a bad idea. Hmm. I, that's my opinion about that. Okay, Sue. Well, thanks for saying that. I know there are people out there who disagree. But, um, you know, I think if we continue to think that women are the only parent who is important, um, then, and, and I know you didn't say that, Sue, but we've got to remember that there's some men out there who are raising children all alone and doing a fabulous job. There are some women who leave their husbands at home as a partner who raises children now, and they do a fabulous job. So to make sure that that is not used as the reason it's not a fair reason because sometimes the man is more of a nurturer than the woman okay uh the next caller is my name is cindy and i'm in gulfport mississippi hi cindy um i want to say several things so number one this starts in elementary school we've got an elementary school down here that is sending young girls home when their fingertips don't reach you know, um, yeah. to the bottom of whatever shirts they are wearing. These are fourth graders. Yeah. Um, kids are taught, girls are taught from the beginning, you know, you must conform and you must do what this system has put in place for you. There, you know, that's got to change before we even get to the rest of it. And as far as job opportunity goes, and I'm a retired prosecutor, I'll just say that much. Um, you know, I've witnessed that worldwide, and I've worked in other countries for a while um, on behalf of our Department of Justice, that, you know, U.S. women and U.S. men are treated differently in the job market, including by our government. Mm-hmm. Um, there are studies that show that if you put blind resumes in front of people, um, and this goes for race also, you take the names off the resumes, it makes a huge difference and who gets hired and how they get hired. Right. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly a point as we were moving through this that I wanted to make. What we really need to do is have the resumes reviewed just like we do with grants. We don't know who submitted uh, a grant. We don't know from what institution it was submitted many times when you're trying to make a judgment on on grants and giving awards because if one came from Yale or Harvard and one came from Mississippi State University, people are going to have a natural bias Mm -hmm. to go with an Ivy League school. Unfortunately, even though Mississippi State has wonderful researchers. so that to to blind it would be the most fair way. Then you have to bring people in for an interview. I'm not sure how you would continue that, but um, at least to narrow it down would be a helpful way. So, and can I offer one more comment about sure. pregnancy? Um, when I had my child way back in 1995, and I had to have a C-section, I was back in work within five and a half weeks. Mm. That's wow. all the time I had left, and I had no choice, and I had to do that. 
when men are hiring, they don't ask men about, for example, their medical issues. They don't ask them, do you have diabetes? Do you have this? Is there something that might keep you off work for this long? Mm. As opposed to considering, oh, we've got a young woman here. Obviously, she's going to have a baby. Um, I have tons of friends who do not have children. I had one. Um, and it, it's a, a very biased assumption to make that assumption that, you know, to even think about that, as, as your uh, co-host said, it, it should not, it's illegal to think about it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that bias has to change also. Yeah. And I'll hang up now and... Great, great point, Cindy. Thank you for calling in. And and you're right. And I think what Jay was saying is that you shouldn't think it. You cannot say it out loud. But we know that there is still that bias that comes out at times. Um, you know, it was said to me when I was applying for a job many, many years ago, someone asked me whether or not I was going to have children. And I, oh. I looked him in the eye and I said, that is none of your business. Um, I got the job uh, because I was very qualified and I think the most qualified for that particular job at the time. But, yeah, uh, it was said out loud back then. And Oh, maybe he was setting you up. Maybe when you knocked him over, he was like, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> Stood right up for herself. (laughs) Probably not. Okay, Susan and Hernando. Hi, thanks for calling in. Join the conversation. Yeah, so I wanted to say, uh, when I was graduating college and I had a degree in science journalism, and I was interviewing through the science uh, college, and I was told by mostly young engineer interviewers that they wouldn't hire me because I was going to get married and have children, mm. which I, I wasn't dating at the time or anything. And so I basically, I kind of worked my way up to my ideal job, which was to be a technical writer. And here's the end of the story. I did eventually get married when I was 27. I did eventually have a child when I was 40. Uh, I did not try the workforce for months and months. I got my first call from the office a day after I got home from the hospital. Because, because I had expertise that they needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I'm saying is don't assume that if a woman has a baby that she's going to drop out of the workforce for six to eight months. Um, I didn't, but I know a lot of women choose to do that. But the other thing is in my office, a lot of the men chose to take paternity leave to support their wives. And I think that... Uh, in this country, we have to get past the idea that only women drop out of the workforce when they have a baby. Sometimes the, the dad, he wants to be there, too. So anyway, thanks for letting me make my observation. Lots of great thoughts, and I think everybody in here is agreeing with you. Okay, I uh, we're going to go back to Diane and Gallman and see, Diane, we're going to keep trying. Okay, are you there? Okay, we can hear you better now. That's good, Diane. Um, so I am. Uh, I'm more concerned that uh, that men or those who are interviewing, um, those who are interviewing uh, potential employees, aren't thinking of 
men being in the heart attack range of 40 to 50 to 60-year-olds, mm-hmm. are they taking that into account because they're more likely to be hospitalized, they're more likely to have cancer, they're more likely to die in a car wreck? So what happens? Why aren't we discriminating against men like we are against women? Many good points. Um, and and you're right. Now, obviously, women can have all those health issues, too. But um, substance abuse um, is another higher issue with men. So, you know, I think whether the bottom line, I think, that we're all trying to get to is everybody should be judged equally, not for their gender, but equally by their qualifications. And yes, indeed, there's some people who are going to be more qualified than others. And so just because you're a woman and think you need to be hired doesn't necessarily mean that you should be. I hear a lot of men now especially white men, say that they feel like they're at the bottom now of the list because now the pressure is to have more diversity. And so many times, even if they're the most qualified, in in their mind at least, that they don't get hired because of their race and gender. Now... Could be so true. you can't please well, look, white, everybody. White, white males are kind of. I mean, look, we've 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 been proven to be the heels of society for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and look, there's a lot of folks that have no intention of of carrying that forward. But you get you get labeled with it, and I know everybody is playing the smallest violin of all time <laughs> for that. But I mean, it, it, look, and it's that you do catch some of that. But I mean, it is what it is. That's life. Everybody has to deal with some of this stuff. Huh. You know. So it's not like as soon as you complain about it, that's when everybody's like, "Oh yeah, you got you really got some problems there, brother." Yeah. yeah. I, well, yeah. What, what we can well, say is what an uphill climb you've had there, huh? National Women's Well, <laughs> March, right. uh, March yeah. is yeah. National Women's History Month, and today, of course, is National Women's Day. And the day and the month is just again to bring up these topics. Bring them to the forefront, bring them to the table, and let's look at them again and make sure that we're doing everything we can to equal the playing field, basically. Right. And to make sure that as we are raising our children, yes. that that we raise them to let them know that that they can do anything. You know, it, it, how, how many years ago did people frown on male nurses yeah. because they thought men shouldn't be nurses? Right. Right. And some of the best nurses are men. So I think we need to, as you said, make the level, make the playing field level. Make sure that we look at everybody's qualifications equally, not judge them. And to to know that if somebody gets accepted to a job, that hopefully they're as they're very highly qualified and are going to do the very best job, not because they're a woman, not because they're a man. Um, I will just quickly say, Doctor Walker really tried to call in Courtney Walker about the 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 other side of why sometimes men should not be chosen. We'll get to that next time. Right. Well, guess what? The month is National Women's History Month, so we can talk about this and another aspect on next week. Yep. So, if you'd like to hear this very exciting (laughs) 
show again or any past episodes, listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio. It was engineered by Michelle McAdoo, and we were assisted by the wonderful Jay White. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11. This was so much fun. For Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's NPR's here now, coming up next, right here on MPB Think Radio.